Hey folks, welcome back to the fan favorite music episode of the DC3 cast. Today we're going to talk about the new Sufjan Stevens album, The Ascension. It is his first album since Carrie and Lowell in 2015. It is a return, in a way, to the soundscapes presented as part of uh, The Age of Odds, but also has a lot in common with sort of the... Cough! Cough! The best Sufjan album. Cough! Incorrect. Um... Uh, but also has a lot in common with sort of the uh, some of the side projects he's done as of late. And um, Zach, you said you had an opening sort of statement to make here. So why don't you take the take the center stage here and start us off with that statement? This is Sufian's Arena Rock album. <laughs> this is Sufian's Coldplay album. Specifically, this is Sufjan's 2014's Ghost Stories album. Is that a good uh, thing in your mind, or is that a bad thing in your mind? I don't know yet. I I bounced on Coldplay after Viva La Vida, so I have no idea. I bounced on Coldplay after whichever one had clocks on it. It's It's sonically very similar to that album, but also it's a Coldplay album to me. This is a Coldplay album. Man, I do not get you. Yeah, uh, I don't get that, but okay. That was my initial take, and on subsequent (laughs) listens, it it stayed with me. This is is Sufjan doing a Coldplay album, though. I need you to explain that. I can't do it. You just have to listen to it. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. I don't... I will... Let me play off that a little bit. I think that this is the most clear case to me of of him not knowing when to stop with an idea, which is something I will say is Coldplay-esque. I think everything on this album goes on a little bit too long. And maybe there's a couple of songs that are a little bit too similar to one another. Um, I'm not. I, I I don't dislike this album at all, but I just think that it's it is like to me there the age of odds. If it suffers from something, which I know Zach doesn't feel like it does, to me it it's feels the like the perfect album. To me, it feels like there's too many ideas on that album, and that maybe not everything is given enough room to like breathe and grow a little bit. Whereas this feels like there's maybe seven ideas or eight ideas on the album, and it's eighty minutes of those eight ideas. Each Vince each thinks there's just one idea on this album. <laughs> each concept is. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, <laughs> lads, chat. Um, <laughs> This uh, to me, this album is like there's ten minutes of of each of the eight feelings. Really, he's really gonna do that? Okay. I'm just kidding. Okay, all right. Oh, uh, like tell tell me you love me is like a song that's like meant to be played in in an arena of like thirty thousand people. Hmm. That like swell at the end is yeah. Like, it's like the most it's not bombastic but it's like it's the biggest thing that i think sufian has ever done but this album is like compared to age of odds like extremely sparse to me um like uh, uh i'm it's hard to describe how i feel about it and in like terms that make sense um because i would describe 
the scope of Age of Odds is like a lot bigger than this. Absolutely. This is, the soundscapes are so much bigger, but but at the same time, this is still also very. The scope of this is also big, but in some ways it's it's kind of sonically hollow compared to Age of Odds to me. But it's not it's not bad though. It's not shallow. So. I want to let Vince talk here in a second. Um, but one of the things I was going to say is I feel like this album is all, it's his commentary on pop culture in a lot of ways. There are a lot of song titles that either are film reference or, or and lyrics also that are either film references or reference like very specific, very famous songs at, or just like a song called Video Game, right? And I feel like it's it's him talking about like the hollowness of the world that we live in and how heartbreaking it is that we are living in this like hollowed out world. And so I think that the sounds, like Zach, you said, sort of hollowed out soundscape. And I think that's actually a really good word for it because to me this is this is his commentary on the husk of the world. And like that's to me that's what America is about. Like, don't do to me what we did to America. You've you've hollowed out America and made it into something that is that on the surface looks the same, but is but is totally different than what it is, than what, it's, what it was supposed to be, and I feel like that is that's the overall theme of the album. So I, I think you're you're kind of spot on there. Yeah, this also this album is also, however you read into this, has a lot to do with Sufian and his faith. Um, there's a lot of this is arguably like i think even more blatantly like a religious work okay not not more religious than seven swans i guess that's it's not it's not but it but i mean it almost is like the it almost is he almost at least half the songs reference god or jesus or christianity in some way i would say this is his third most christian album after seven swans in michigan Oh well, Michigan. Who I that who even knows what that album's about? It's not very good. Fuck off. It's about it's about Michigan. It's about, it's about a state. Like, yeah, it's about a state. If anything, this this song uh, this album is a sequel else. to Michigan because it's about America. He he just finished the fifty two or the fifty two. Fifty two. That was my that was my idea. I'm gonna he do. A, I'm gonna do the a... 50, he finished the fifty states project. The fifty suit project. Song. <laughs> I said the 50 states. I know. I said the 50 Sioux project because that's funny. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought you said, never mind. Okay. (laughs) We're losing it. Um... Vince, go off for a minute here. Um, Well, first I want to touch on something Zach said, which was that like, I I agree that what you say about how big, like, for example, the, the ending of uh, tell me you love me is, but I guess I, I guess arena rock I wouldn't or not not rock necessarily but like arena pop or whatever sure, I, I don't sure. I don't think I would have made that connection but there is definitely a connection to a couple of the songs on Carrie and Lowell which is remembered as like a more like <clears throat> folksy heavily acoustic although not entirely kind of traditional folk album by him but there are a couple songs on there that particularly live when he played them um, 
Blue Bucket of Gold and and Fourth of July, I believe, were the two. Where at the end he basically plays, he ramps up to a super loud drone effect for like five to ten minutes and just oh, like so it's so it's like fix you. But that's that is <laughs> that is so overtly pop though, like. You know what I mean? Like the thing about it is that Coldplay couldn't be obtuse if they tried. Whereas like, whereas like, that's why I said it's Sufjan doing Coldplay because obviously like Sufjan is still Sufjan. Yeah. But but the, 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 the inherent, yeah, I guess you're right. But the inherent corniness of Coldplay is so instrumental to what they are that I just can't, I'm, I get I'm, I get what you're saying, but I can't get there. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of using like Coldplay as a stand-in for a genre of music or like a style too, just because like they are the. Sure. I, I could say you too as well. You but know? I even oh no, I see. I even think sonically, like nobody, I've, there's there's not a very big the the crossover on the Venn diagram between uh, people who love Coldplay and who would listen to this. I I don't think they're that's a big. Oh, I don't think it's there. No, I, I disagree well, with I mean, both I, of you. I, 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 I think well, if you played, I, I have listened to both, so I guess I'm the, I'm the dot in the Venn diagram. No, I, I disagree. I, I think if you played this, like there is, there is nothing on this album, and I don't mean this negatively. There is nothing on this album half as challenging as a lot of Sufjan stuff. I think this is a pretty straightforward album in a lot of ways, and I think you could play it for Coldplay fan number six. And they would they would get something out of it. Whereas I don't think you could play Age of Odds for that person, or even play Illinois for that person. I think that both those albums have such weird. I think you could play Illinois for that person. No way. No that's way. That's a pretty. That's a pretty like adult contemporary, like alternative. No, there's there's album. way too much weird stuff on that album. They they oh, they they would never listen to uh you know night zombies or or um you know, there, there's a lot of orchestral stuff on that album. I just feel the like the first this, half of that album maybe the maybe, second half maybe, maybe the first okay. half sure yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but I just feel like for an album like this there's nothing on this album sonically they haven't heard on a Carly Rae Jepsen record or on a. Uh, <laughs> Whoa, man, he's coming for Ben. No, no, I, I don't, I don't mean that as a negative. I just mean like the, I feel like the sounds uh, on this are very like twenty first century pop sounds. That's that's not uh, an insult. But I, I I think I disagree with. That I don't think bit. that. No, I think maybe three or four of these songs, maybe. But like one of these songs is a Nirvana song. You could not. Yeah, yeah. I want you to explain that later. Okay. But like you could not play like. Oh man, Le- Lamentations is is too weird. Die Happy, Adavan, you couldn't play for them. Those I majors don't, too I don't weird. Like Die Happy. Oh, Die Happy is my favorite song on the album by far. That's why Die I Happy don't is the like best song it. on the album. No, Hands I don't it's, like it. Death Star, I don't think you could get away with. Gilgamesh is too obtuse. Like I, 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 I think, think you're wrong that, about that. I, I, I think a lot of these sounds are pretty standard sounds in in modern pop music. I, I think that Brian I think is definitely lyric- right. 
that this is the most for straightforward Sufjan album because there's a uh, uh, annotation on Genius for America that has 19 upvotes that says this song is about America. Yeah. Okay. I guess you're right. Uh, no, I just I think the lyrical content melded with these songs make them too obtuse. That's that's what does it for me. Like I, lyrics don't matter. I, that, that that's always my hot take. Lyrics don't matter. I know you're you're a sicko in that way. I don't I don't agree with that. I, I at thought all. of the perfect example of why lyrics don't matter today. Did you want to hear it? No, it's gonna okay, be some cool. bullshit. It's gonna it's be not, shiny happy people. No, it's not bullshit. It's that any. It's that if you were in the supermarket tonight. And under pressure by David Bowie and Queen came on, you would be singing along to that shit. And the words are "People on streets, but a Dito day." <laughs> and you, you like, you love that song, and it sounds fucking awesome. And it doesn't matter; no one cares what the words are because the song is so good. You know I'm right. <laughs> you know you have sung "People on Streets" to a Dito day to yourself, and never once complained about it. Lyrics yeah, don't matter. Yeah, it's one of the most brilliant lyrics ever written. <laughs> um, don't no, okay. Well, I don't agree, but all right, okay. But if you want my feelings on this album yeah, please. as a whole. I think it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> like, I think I think it is straight through. I mean, the, wh- where I will meet you halfway is that like, I don't necessarily need the last eight minutes of America at the very end of this. Remember who said that when that fucking I, song came out? I'm, I'm going to come one step further and say that I don't need America at the end of this album. Agreed. Probably yes, because the Ascension is such a great like the Ascension might be it's a top three song. It's uh, not yeah, my it's, the it's album should have ended sure. with with uh, goodbye to all that, and that should be the end of the album. No, uh, I, that's what I agree with. That's what I want. Get rid of sugar. Get rid of the Ascension. Get rid of America. I think Ascension, Ascension is too good. good it's so the good. Ascension is. I it's think good. the Ascension is the. At least as a bonus track, goodbye to all that's the end of the album. To me. Or maybe open with the ascension because I don't think "Make Me an Offer" is a great opener. Okay, I, I I'll yeah. see you that, but but then you got to cut something else because the album's just too long. And if you cut those, the, the album is too long. If you cut the you know America and Sugar alone, that's I think twenty if you minutes. Cut off all the, album. the singles. Ooh. I like video game a lot. Video game is good. I just don't think it fits with the t- with the rest of the album. Oh, I think it does. I think. I think. Uh... I, think I mean. I think thematically it does. I think just like sonically and tonally, I don't. Love it's the Britney it. Spears song. Oh, I think I, I think you need it though. Yes, that's right, Brian. I think you need it though. You need that to break up because, like, if you don't have that, if you don't have that, and like maybe two or three other songs, then then I agree with Brian a little more that like it's too samey. It's too samey, and there's maybe only a few ideas. But like, I think if you when you have those breaking it up, I think it's so good, and I think like. Uh... Yeah, I, I feel like I think that Lamentations is enough of a, a palate cleanser between Running Away With Me and Tell Me You Love Me, which are very similar songs that I could still let it go. Yeah, um, but OK, but I, so as I was saying, though, like I, I think aside from like that last droning part of America, which is maybe like seven or eight minutes long, everything else I'm not finding myself. I've listened to this couple dozen times now and like i'm not skipping i'm not skipping tracks i am like ending america early because um and so so is the president um (laughs) but uh but um i'm finding like new things to like about just about every one of these songs i think that they're they're all memorable i don't think that i think they have the potential to be too samey but they get broken up in a way that just agrees with me and I think 
the overall arc of the album is such that like for me because this is this is the way that i like to experience albums i have to experience the whole thing because because the journey that he goes on is is more important than any one song and i think like when you get near the end like when you get to goodbye to all that it's such a catharsis it's such a it's a sonic catharsis and it's a thematic catharsis for him and then that follow you know leading into the ascension then which is really where like Sufjan Sufjan probably tells you the most about himself and his point of view in that song more than any other but like you none of that works without all the rest of it for me because like there are stretches of this album that are like miserable like he sounds miserable this is his most like miserable album oh absolutely in in an interview he called himself a curmudgeon and that is all over this like age of odds he wrote and and recorded like while he was ill and getting over a severe illness and the joke i made is that there's a song on there called i want to be well and the ascension is absolutely i don't want to be well (laughs) Because like, it's it's a, a it's him dwelling in this misery and the misery of the country and and his relationship with God, and the way he feels about himself and the regret that he feels about the role that he's played in the world, maybe a little bit. Um, just like you know, it, am I doing enough? Am I doing anything? Can I you know? Will I ever be happy? There's there's parts on this. And that's why it connects with me on such a like a visceral level, because there are often days where I'm like, will you know, even when things are going good, am I ever going to be happy? You know, there's big Ecclesiastes vibes in this album. Uh, Meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. Everything's meaningless. Yeah. Oh, I love that lyrical turn where he's like, uh, uh, yeah, it, it, it twists a bible quote where it's like um i have it in my notes here somewhere um oh and to everything there is no meaning a season of pain and hopelessness yeah yes. yeah that. Is that that's in that's in the ascension the ascension yeah the ascension i think is one of the best songs that sufian's ever written i th- yeah it's up there uh, maybe um, i need more time with it i don't that is not i think that that one fits really well like thematically in the album but i don't think melodically that's one of his best songs oh i i do like i think it's so good that i I was listening to it today which was i think maybe only it's only the third or fourth time i've been through the album but that that song just really hit me especially like the third and fourth verse um it, it it hits me like particularly in a hard way um because just not not unlike anyone else but this year has kind of been like a year of dealing with a lot of grief and kind of like also wrestling with like what does faith and look like in that and just the the third ver the third and fourth verse are just kind of him wrestling with um just kind of the existential dread of realizing that his faith is a crutch sort of. I think he Um, would argue with you about that. 
possibly. May I mean that's how it comes. That that's how I that's how it speaks to me. Uh-huh. Um, I mean I think that one of like the th- like he's like there like like and now it frightens me the dreams that I possessed to think I was acting like a believer when I was just angry and depressed. Like mm-hmm. that's pretty depressing. See, I and I, I read that very differently, but that's just me. okay. I, I I read that in in as being an affirmation of like I see what you, I think I see what you mean way. but just like now I see ta- what you mean talking about times when he was not a, enough of a believer like where where he was mm-hmm. where he was um he was acting like something as opposed to being something does that make sense sure. that's fair that's fair but I think that's also like a I I don't think that I I think that again comes down to the idea of um uh ungenuine like in, in you know un yeah i know what you mean a lack of genuinity yeah um in, in which i feel like when you are using those ideas as a crutch for um your own sure yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um it's a good song to me I don't dislike it. It just it, maybe it's also because it comes after like sixty five minutes that it doesn't hit the same way. Sure. Um, so like I I am really interested to to hear what you guys think about all the pop culture on this album. Mm-hmm. This, I mean, like make me an offer I cannot refuse. You can't hear that and not think <laughs> of the Godfather. Yeah. Right. No. Uh, in. Right. I think it's an Ativan. He says, "Put the put the lotion in the basket." Lotion in the basket, like yeah. that's obviously a Silence of the Lambs reference. Death Star, uh, landslide. <laughs> you know, like all these, yeah. <laughs> all these things. Do you guys does does that mean anything to you, or is that just the the lyrical trick he's using this record? Uh well, yeah, absolutely, it does. Um, first, I want to talk about what what he said about it. And and then I'll talk about what I think of it. But I like, do I do want to say I have still not read a single interview yet. They're they're interesting. Yeah, yeah, they're fun. I mean, like I I don't know that you can take anything well, he's seriously full of shit. out of them. He's totally yeah. full of shit. But yes, yeah. But like, so one one thing that I do believe him. Well, there's two things that I do believe with him uh, that I do believe him when he says. For Make Me an Offer I Cannot Refuse, he explains that that song is about giving God an ultimatum, which there's no arguing that. If you listen to it, that's sure. And yes. he says that that's what that's about. And so I think it is interesting that that's a Godfather reference because, like, um, you, you know, at, the, at that point, do you want to make the comparison to Don Corleone, like, um, and be, being the boss of a crime, like, is is that is in this song is he in some way seeing god as like a crime lord lording over everything that's miserable happening happening on earth you know like that's an interesting take i i wouldn't have thought that i i have a different take on that but go ahead i want to hear what you think yeah and i don't mean literally like no i know i know god god caused all this or whatever but i think that that's an interesting angle to him using that reference and to him to him going up to him and saying you know well, I, I'm here, I'm representing you, make me an, you know, I, I'm looking around, things are miserable, make me an offer I can't refuse, like, you know, 
you know what I'm saying? Like, like that's that's the ultimatum. And to me, that to me that makes perfect sense. But then, like on the next song, "Run Away with Me," famous Carly Rae Jepsen's like second breakout song into her like indie legit pop phase, right? <laughs> um, Sufjan said about that that he's trying to with these pop culture references keep this really dark album fun but i think for me it's even more than that and i don't i don't maybe this is me injecting something that he didn't intend but to me it's like like carly ray in particular sings all the time about this like idea of uh of a very romantic love like a like a movie like a movie style romance or like a longing and she dwells in that longing in a way in like most of her songs in a way that that ends in a rush or a release or like a catharsis like like i i'm longing for this thing that i don't have yet but when i find it it's going to be great you know whereas like sufia and this is not the only album or song that he's done this in but he sings about longing or about desiring something and he sings in like a very dreadful or pessimistic tone you know like for him, this escapism is something to dread almost, you know? Sure. It's, some, it's something that doesn't necessarily have a, a release at the end. It may, it may just be dreadful, you know? Um, and so that's what it means to me. And I, I felt that, you know, when I, when I listen to this album, I, I connect with that in some way. Because like, like I said earlier, like, even when things are going well in my life, and I'm, I'm a pretty lucky guy, all things considered there's still always this sense of like dread that, that even through the escapism, like it's not quite working, <laughs> you know? See, I, I see all the pop culture references as um, like a, des a denigration of where our collective mind has gone. We're the only thing left for us to think in our pop culture references. Mm, which mm -hmm. we see every single day. Right. Like, it's just like, this is, we are no longer capable of, of intelligent thought. All we're doing is parroting back things that we have ingested. And that's why to me, the choice of references is really interesting because with one or two exceptions, all the references are the classic things. Like the Godfather is a classic movie. Um, uh, Silence of the Lambs is a classic movie. Death Star, Star Wars is a classic movie, right? Carly Rae Jepsen's Emotion is a classic. No, I was gonna album. say Landslide is a classic Fleetwood Mac song, <laughs> you know. Um, and then I think that there are, I mean, and then there are there are other like you know, I do get the Carly Rae reference and all of that, but I think that in general, like it's it's a combination of stuff that's just been like crammed down our throats. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's him commenting on, and I could be totally off on this, but just like how there is nothing left in our in our mush of a brain but pop culture references. I can't look at any look at anything without connecting it to Kingdom Hearts somehow. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> is is Gilgamesh one of the summons in that or what? Okay, no, but uh, there is a very lengthy. Uh, optional side quest in final fantasy 14 featuring gilgamesh um and so um oh man i just can't not um yeah yeah brian i think that's really well said i think 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think that's what he's going for in a lot of this. One of the things that I love about Sufjan is that, um, and people make jokes about this, and I, it's funny, but like I also His don't hats. think it's a joke. Yeah, <laughs> yep, you do. Um, uh, no, the, the the idea that when he's singing these songs, sometimes you don't know whether he's singing about God or whether he's singing about a romantic interest, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think like it's funny to say like, ah, he wants to have sex with God or whatever, but like, don't we so, all? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's that's that's the dream, right? But um, uh, just wants just to try it. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Fifteen-year-old Zach is bursting through right now. <laughs> yeah, you, can't, you can't say that. <laughs> um, uh, uh, <laughs> no, but but I do think there's something great about his work in that, like, especially post Carrie and Lowell. Now. Sometimes I don't know whether he's singing about a romantic interest. Um, I don't. And and on top of that, you can't be clear about the persuasion of his romantic interest necessarily. Right. And I think that that's intentional. Hey, not reading even, in. No, even, what? E- even even <laughs> no. 18, even 18 year old Zach saw that in in Seven Swans with uh to be alone to be alone to be alone with you he's been doing this for a long time yeah yeah exactly or whether he's talking about god which he often is but like that line gets blurred you know when when he when he sings about love you don't know which necessarily it is because sometimes it fits both right and sometimes now it seems like he could be singing about a family member even you know um especially post carrie and lowell where he bared a lot more of that on that album, right? Things, mm-hmm. things that things that he only had hinted about before. I mean, I think he's um, he's carrying on a tradition of folks like Bob Dylan and Michael Stipe and a couple other like you know sort of revered like great lyricists, where we think we know what the songs are about, but oftentimes we have no idea because the songs have such like um, specific language in them that it, it lets us focus our thoughts on, oh, that's what this is. But like Michael Stipe famously said, like, you know, with like four or five exceptions, he's never used a gendered pronoun in a song. Um, mm-hmm. When it's about like, he, it's song Pretty Persuasion from, I think it's Reckoning maybe, where he says like, he alternates he and she in the different choruses so that you don't know if he's talking about a friend or a lover or whatever, like he just, he tries to keep things vague. Cause he says like, it doesn't matter what I think it matters what you think. And I think right. that, that Sufjan's lyrics are, he are... even uses similar language in this with, you know, people, uh, there's a line about, you know, people of our persuasion, um, right, yeah. which could yeah. mean almost anything, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, he, he wants, he wants you to take the song in the way that you want to take it. And I think that's in a way, I think like Vince, you're talking about how, you know, I, I don't think I'm, I'm categorizing you in a way you wouldn't categorize yourself, but you know, you're reading this all very pessimistically. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm reading this all in a way where I feel like the lyrics are about being overwhelmed by pop culture, which is sort of how I feel in my life right now. And I think that I think each of us is kind of reading it, in our own through our own lens which we always do but i think that his lyrics are such that it really it really opens itself up to that 
personal interpretation more than other artists do. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's why yeah. we can also all have such personal relationships with his work. Because I think on one hand, you know, and again, I'm not speaking out of school here. We've talked about this on the show before. But I think, you know, both Zach and I have a more... Um, I, mean, I, I think, you know, but both of us believe in God in a more traditional way than I think a lot of people who maybe listen to Sufjan's music, you know, and, and certainly in a different, you know, I think our relationship with faith is quite different than yours, Vince, you know, and so I mm -hmm. think that when Zach and I hear these songs, I think we bring a very different emotional content to them than than you probably do. Um, and, so, and I think that's one of the, the brilliant parts of his songwriting is that it can appeal to the believer and the atheist, to the person who wants to hear it as a love song and the person who wants to hear it as a worship song, to the person who wants to hear it as as being optimistic, the person who wants to hear it being pessimistic. It's vague enough. It's It's vague without being banal, right? Like he's not saying nothing. He's saying very specific things. But they're just they're just phrased in such a way where you can bring your own interpretation to them. I think that's great. Yeah, there's there's uh, someone I follow on Twitter who um, referred to Sufian as our collective metaphysical boyfriend, and <laughs> yep, it's pretty it's pretty spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess. Let's see what do. Is there anything else specific you wanted to talk about, Brian? Otherwise, I'd like to just mention like one or two of my favorite songs. I think yeah. we should and, and go through some of our favorite songs. Yeah, maybe I do like a top three or four or something yeah, like that. I can do that. Yeah, top three. Okay. All right. So my 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 most favorite. Oh, I go back and forth between two, but I think I, I think I'm pretty sure my favorite is Ursa Major, um, because I love how wild like that kicks in at a moment in the album where you really need it. Because the song before it, Adavan, is like a great song, but one of the most miserable things that, that Sufjan's ever that's written. That's a tough song to listen to. Oh, dude. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. He's got lyrics in there that are like embarrassing. Like, not not like embarrassing that he wrote them, but like the way that they. They reveal they, shame for him. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's also about like self-medicating and whether that's good or not, and he makes it sound, he makes it sound like kind of necessary, but also miserable, but also, you know, it's, man, it's a doozy. And then Ursa Major kicks in with this, it's, it's very glitchy. It's got this insane vocal sample. Like you can tell it's Sufjan just making like nonsense noises and looping them. And I, I love the way that that works. And it's, it's got, you know, your requisite Christian Christianity references in it. Um, he says something about for the beauty of the earth, which I believe comes from a Christian hymn. I don't know which one in specific, but um, maybe it's called that. But um, I know I've heard it before. Um, and it, it is like, it is a song about, it's kind of about calling out to God about like, you know, here's this beautiful earth that we live in that we live on and we're ruining it constantly you know um and it's kind of like you know 
if you believe in God, he gave you this great thing and you're spoiling it. And that mixed with this uh, chorus where he says, uh, I want to love you. And it's, that is, that bit is like a very poppy R and B. It's very R and B the way that he sings that and and interjects that, which kind of does what I'm talking about where like, okay, is he talking about God or is he talking about the earth or is he talking about a person that kind of divorces it from the rest of the, so it's, it's very obscure in that way. And I like that about it. I love, I love when I can't figure it out, you know, um, to me, it's the most interesting song because of all of that, you know, it's, it's this, it's this package of very weird stuff mashed together. It doesn't have one sound to it, you know, and it doesn't sound like anything else on the album. Um, yeah, so I, I that's probably my favorite. Zach, what's your favorite? My absolute favorite? Mm-hmm. Mm. It's a little bit too early, I think, for me to say. <laughs> it's definitely too early to, for me to say. Like, I could tell you, like, my top three. I don't know if I can tell you, like, okay. my absolute favorite. Go for it. Um, my, I, my top three are probably... The Ascension, Tell Me You Love Me, and Ativan. Um, The Ascension, for like the reasons I've already mentioned. Um, Tell Me You Love Me, I think, just sonically is one of my favorite songs on the album. Like when it gets to, there's that like double build that it has where it like, it kind of, it, it peaks towards the end and then it glows like even further. And the first time I heard it, it, I was like 100% doing the Vince McMahon gif, you know, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like when it gets to like the final like push, I just fell over in the uh, out of the back of my chair, um, almost literally. Um, and so I, I just really like that song sonically. And then Ativan, like, it's just like so weird and like so Maybe different. The pharmacist from, like, and, to like to like the yeah, sound about a drug. Uh, I, I gotta like I gotta do it I gotta do it but I mean it's so weird it's it's so different compared to everything else on the album I think the first at, when I did my initial listen I texted Vince and said like this sounds like Sufian trying to do like a Kurt Cobain cadence in his like in the melody of the song like it feels like a Nirvana song filtered through like Sufian Sufian's like soundscape um there's just kind of like this off kilter lilting to the to his delivery and just like yeah I mean it's it's such a dark song like the line about like pissing himself and shitting the bed and (laughs) just like just like just laying in in like the worst of you you know and but then there's also like like a weirdly hopeful turn not i don't know there's like a turn around the middle of the song it's it's not really hopeful i don't know there's there's that part after he has talked about like you know there's like the the lotion in the basket and jumping over the jumping off the overpass and then and then the the music kind of lifts a little bit and there's the line about filling with the blood of Jesus. And then the chorus like comes in and he, 
the you know is it all for nothing is it all part of a plan which kind of mirror is mirrored later on in the ascension um i don't know i just i really really like that song a lot even though it is extremely depressing um also yeah he references a lot of benzodiazepines in the song i think he he mentions ativan i think he mentions is there a line about clonopin in there too maybe that's a different song i don't know there's a lot of stuff. Vince, well, name your other two favorites since you mentioned Ursa Major. Uh, sure. Um, the Ascension is up there. Um, we've already kind of talked enough about that. But my second favorite that I waffle back and forth with is Goodbye to All That. Um, and I just, I'll be brief, but um, for so you, you all know what my favorite Sufjan Stevens song is, right? Impossible soul. Impo- impossible oh, super, soul. Yep. Superman. Well, su- super sexy woman. <laughs> <laughs> She's right, Superman's yeah. cousin. Superman cousin. Yeah. She's got super powered loving or whatever. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. It's it's impossible soul. I love the journey that that song goes on. That's like a twenty plus minute song where to me not a moment is wasted. Um, to me, goodbye to all that is like the bit at the end of impossible soul where he's, he's singing uh, boy, we can do much, do much more together. Um, that part, you know, um, which is like the catharsis of that song, uh, which also has like some miserable parts in it. Um, and so like on this album, in the context of this album, it's almost like this whole album is an impossible soul and it's waiting to get to this song. And I, I love it for that. It, it accomplishes the same thing as that song does, um, which gives me it gives me a rush listening to it. So by the time it's towards the end of the album, by the time you get to it, you're you're like you're you're just hoping for a song like that, and it comes in and and knocks you over with this very propulsive and and uh, yeah, there's pop cliches in it, dri- driving alone in my car or whatever. You know, that's like a classic. That's like a that is a pop thing. How many songs are written about driving around in your car, you know? But, but yeah, it 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 sweeps you off your feet um, when you really need it. Um, and yeah, so that's that's my favorite, Brian. Uh, my favorite by far is "Die Happy." I feel that's like wild. I would have never. It is, that would have been, like, been like one of the last ones. I oh no, that's that's fucking brilliant. That that's so good. Um, to me, that's one of the few songs that breaks through sort of the pop culture reference broken brain thing into like a very um personal thing so i'm gonna overshare here okay so let's just go for it um you know the last like five years of my life have been surrounded by death in so many ways and um i've watched people i literally watched my father die last year like i was in i was holding his hand when he died and I feel like one of the things that he said to me when he was sick, we got we got the one fight when he was sick about Brett Kavanaugh, actually. Um, and uh, he said to me, he didn't say I want to die happy, but he said like I don't want, I don't want anything to come between us this while I'm fighting this. And then, like six weeks again, I'm oversharing it. Six weeks the day after my dad died, his brother died, and I didn't see him die, but I saw his body minutes after he died. I was in Florida when my uncle died, 
And I feel like the theme of both of their deaths, which were so different, the theme was like putting things right before they died. And I wouldn't say they were dying happy, but I feel like they were they were dying in a way that's like they felt ready to go, right? And I feel like this song, it's not about that at all. But to me hearing it, I was just brought back to these two very different men who were trying to, in their own ways, kind of die on their own terms. Um, and I feel like the idea for me of like dying happy is almost an impossible thing. Like I know that I will feel very different, hopefully, when I die at 190 having sex. You know, hopefully I'll feel different then. <laughs> joking, joking. I'm not going to live that long, nor do I have eating that Eating a much big stuff. old gobble. Exactly. Sandwich. I'm going to be eating an Italian hoagie, being like, and just kill over. <laughs> but, like, but, like, the idea of dying happy is, like, such a crazy idea to me because I I don't want to die, right? And so I feel like it's this, it's this impossible goal that we all set for ourselves. Like, there's a, there's a They Might Be Giants quote. And if anybody thought I was going to be quoting They Might Be Giants tonight, you, you win. But, uh... No one in the world ever gets what they want, and that is beautiful. Everybody dies frustrated and sad, and that is beautiful. And I love that. Um, and I feel like it's just such a such a heady idea, and I think the song is this, like, struggle. And he's he's practically screaming, I want to die happy. And it's just this powerful thing. And it, to me, it's the most real moment on the album. Um, so that's my favorite. And I would say the stretch from Die Happy... To goodbye to all of that is by far the best. The, the The album to me starts very slow. To me, Die Happy is when the album starts to kick up a little bit. But I would say that Die Happy, Ursa Major, and Landslide are my three favorites. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. I, I, it's, the reasons why you like Die Happy are the reasons I don't like it. I think because of my my own recent experiences with with death and i i really i just like can't listen to that song one i think it should be like two minutes instead of four minutes it's um, almost six minutes <laughs> okay i think it should be like two minutes maybe um i like the half that kicks up and sounds like an age of odd song um that's good Sounds it's funny bad. though i think the the stretch after ursa major until like landslide through goodbye to all that is the part where i i kind of i need to give that more time because by that point in the album i've started to glaze over and then i hit yeah and then i hit sugar which is like a single that i've already heard before so my i kind of like okay this is a mile marker and then i hit ascension which is like such a good moment in the album and then i usually like either don't listen to america or just like cut it off halfway through but that yeah that like four song stretch from landslide to goodbye to all that is is um a weak point in the album for me right now just because i'm not as familiar with it like oh dude yeah spend some more time with that because that's that's so good see here's what's interesting to me and and y'all know my age of odds feelings right i like that album i don't Mm -hmm. think it's the masterpiece you guys do to me, the difference... I, I've listened to it every single time after I finished. Oh, you see, that's interesting to this me. This album. What I was going to say is that album, I feel like there's so many layers to unpeel on that album. Mm-hmm. But whenever I finish listening to that album, I think I'm done with that for a while. I've been through that journey 
and I'm ready to move on. Whenever I finish this album, even though I think it ends with a whimper, not a bang, I want to go back and explore it more. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. See, I who knows how like time will bear out with this album for me, but I I could listen to Age of Odds every day for the rest of my life. The... Sometimes multiple times a day, and <laughs> I, I like don't yeah. know. I don't know that I would like repeat this album very often. The the one other thing I wanted to say, and this is really not all that related, but I guess I had got in my head for no reason other than my own bullshit that the Ascension was going to serve the role on this album that the Transfiguration did on Seven Swans, where the Transfiguration is is like a literal retelling of a Bible story. And the Ascension is a biblical uh, story as well. And I was yeah. expecting it to be a um, a telling of that. And I think that actually, like, we haven't talked much about what that title means, but, like, the Ascension is when Christ leaves Earth, right? And it's when he leaves us on our own. And the implication is that we're going to be okay without him. And, yes, he sends the Holy Spirit shortly thereafter, but, like, to me, this album is the period between the Ascension and Pentecost where we don't know what the fuck we're doing and we're stuck in this we're abandoned by the one who's supposed to take care of us and he has not sent his paraclete for us yet and so i love that idea but i i i I expected the song to be different i'm not saying i don't like it or whatever it's just not what i expected it to be yeah there's a lot in that song to unpack and I look forward to unpacking it. Um, yeah. Again, I just think the album is too long. I I think so too. And I think that that is not necessarily a song by song. I think that there, you know, I don't love Sugar, for instance. Um, mm-hmm. And I think America, like you said, should be a three minute song. I think Vince said that actually, it should be three or four minutes instead of twelve minutes. But I think every song, almost universally, could be trimmed by a minute, and you wouldn't miss much. And I love, like, one of my favorite songs is Hallow Gala by Noi, which is like 15 minutes of the same thing. Like, I'm, I'm cool with that. I just think it doesn't, it doesn't do a lot for these songs to be this long. Like, make me, make me an offer I cannot refuse being over five minutes long is insane. That song doesn't do that much in five minutes. Even video game, like... I, I like video games. I, I described it to you guys in a text about as being like a Britney Spears song from like the toxic era. I mean that as the highest compliment. I love I love that kind of stuff, but it does it it could be two and a half minutes instead of four. There's, there's a lot of repetition. Yeah, yeah. In that song and in the album in general. Yeah. And that I think contributes to some of the sameness that you would describe. Yeah. I do uh, wonder, and this is no this is no excuse for for how long an album is or whatever. I do wonder. It's such a cop out to say this. Actually, I wonder how this stuff would have played live. Like if we weren't if we oh. weren't steeped in co in COVID right now, like and he could like tour it. I do wonder, like like I could. Video games length wouldn't be a problem if like. He was up there doing his goofy ass uh, dances, you know, because like a hundred percent. 
yes, I agree with that, but I also don't care about live performance. Like to I me, know you don't. No, I but know you don't. To me, it's to me, it's just so different. Like it to me, live performance is meant to be ephemeral and move you in the moment, but you're supposed to leave that when you leave the show. Yeah. Whereas this is the permanent record. Right. I, I I get I agree. I get it. But I also think that the reason I still like Age of Odds so much is because I heard it first live. <laughs> See, that's interesting. Cause I, I haven't seen Sufjan since the Illinois tour. And I wonder if I would feel differently about Age of Odds had I seen it live. But that actually, that actually brings me to something I wanted to talk about with you guys. So, Vince, you said that on the Carrie and Lowell tour, he took some of those songs and and sort of found a midpoint between the mostly acoustic studio versions and the more like expansive electric versions. Yeah, like like for example, the uh, "We're All Gonna Die" part at the end of Fourth of July. Uh huh. Like on the album, it, it gets a little sonically beyond the acoustic realm, sure, but it's yeah. it's mu- it's muted. When he did it live, it was like three times as long, and he blew it up so it was so loud that it was like disturbing for the audience. You know, like so. So here, here's my question then. Like, yeah, I think there are some songs on Age of Odds that you could hear. Like, oh, this probably started with him sitting on his couch with a, with a guitar, right? I feel like none of the songs on this album are as easily worked backwards into just like guitar or banjo or piano and vocal. Mm-hmm. And and I think that like one of the joys of seeing people play live is it being different than the album. At least for me, like I I don't I don't want to go and hear the album. I want I want something new, and I wonder how much new he could bring with these songs because I kind of think that they were they're presented in the only way i can imagine them and, and i don't have a great imagination maybe he could pull out die happy on a guitar right i want to die happy on a guitar but i i, I can't imagine that um no and, and i kind of think that maybe that's where some of the songs suffer a little bit too is that there's not like a strong backbone to them they're they're creations of the studio versus being something and i don't think like i, I forget who said it some songwriter i like i read one say like a song is only a good song if you can play it with one instrument and the song. I don't think that's true. Um, no. But I think that there, I think there is something to be said for like a song that doesn't have to live in one specific space. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like I'm I'm less choosy about that than you are, but I I certainly understand what you mean, and and like there is validity to it. Um, we have this discussion every time I tell you that I went to a Sylvanesso concert. So. Right, ex- exactly, yes. But like, <laughs> so like, I was thinking about this recently. One of the best live experiences that I've ever had was um, when I saw the Pixies the first time. They, they had reunited like months earlier, but I had avoided all of the bootlegs because I wanted to like go in you know, as blind as I could, essentially. And they had really changed up one one particular song um that's actually the, the song from Eraserhead, uh in heaven everything is fine the, the lady mm. in the radiator song and mm-hmm. like when yep. they used to do it live it was black francis screaming that and it turns into this very mellow kim deal song song and i was just like i was entranced by it because it, it it took something i thought i knew and it added a new spin to it and i have a hard time hearing how these songs 
could give me a new spin live, I guess is what I'm saying. I don't know if that's necessarily like a reason to dislike anything. It's just, I think what's interesting about other Sufjan songs is like, I, I, I could see him doing Sister and making Sister into more of an electronic thing. Like you can hear those elements being adapted differently. I have a harder time hearing these songs and hearing them adapted differently. Sure. And like in, the, I think it's the Atlantic interview. Maybe I read. He said, you know, his his studio had to be like put in storage essentially, and he had a drum machine and a synthesizer, mm-hmm. and so that that's where all these songs started from. And I think it sounds like that. Um, again, not a bad thing, just sort of a difference from his other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and for and for me, who who, you know, is more of a luddite when it comes to like instrumentation and stuff like that like i think the results he got out of it are pretty impressive um but yeah yeah you're right you're right i mean would these songs sound much different live no but i think the experience would be different i think it would be yeah like me listening to impossible soul versus when i saw it live at a festival the song sounds exactly the same as it does on the record but the experience is so different because of the stage the staging of it um but yeah your your point makes perfect sense uh, zach final thoughts on this album it's his it's his fourth best album <laughs> I love how I like the album. No, more. sorry, fifth, fifth. Yeah. Best. Okay. 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 Um, <laughs> I mean, if we're going to rank, I, first of all, I, I think it's it's too new for me to really rank. Yeah. Um, I actually maybe it's as I don't know. I'm just glad that the Age of Odds is alive and well. See, Eternal I, Living. I, I kind of want to like challenge you, Zach, to to listen to Michigan for like a week, and I'll listen to Age of Odds for a week. I would and not be. I, w- I probably would not remember any of it except. That's just not true, though. It's not that dress true. Looks nice on you. What? Except that that dress looks nice on you. That's from Seven Swans. Uh, that is not from Michigan. <laughs> Then I don't know a single song from Michigan. What song is from Michigan? Then yes, you do. Romulus. Romulus. I don't. I cannot. Okay, Flint for the unemployed and underpaid. Let's do this, Zach. I'm not joking. Next week, every day, Monday to Friday, I will listen to Age of Odds. You listen to Michigan. Well, one of us is getting a much better experience. Yeah, it's you. <laughs> it's you. I know. Look, as it stands. Not counting the first two albums, because no one counts those. The only album I don't own by Sufjan. Yeah, yeah. Flint is like the only song I can really uh, recall off the top of my head. The the only Sufjan album I don't own on vinyl, besides the first two, is uh, Age of Odds. And that's not going to change. And I just played my Age of Odds vinyl this weekend. Uh, Zach, Vito's ordination song on Michigan Whips. It's it's good. It's fine. I've listened to it. It's there. Romulus is one of his best songs. Yeah, Romulus it, made Brian okay. cry on the. It did. Yeah. Uh, okay. The Upper Peninsula is great. Oh, I was I was just saying I'm glad that uh, the Ascension carries on the sound that was established in 
Age of Odds and All the Lighted People and uh, it was carried on through Silver and Gold. That's my favorite Sufian sound. See, I, I'm actually going to – gonna. Uh, I think I had read this. I don't think this is an original thought. I think the album this most sounds like is the Planetarium album he did. I've listened Nico to Muley Planetarium and, um, like once. Brent Dessner. Yeah. I mean, I still – like, there. this is – this has big age of odds energy. Like a lot of the soundscape is very similar. Not all of the songs, but at least a third of them have like age of odds DNA in them. I'm sure there's some planetarium in there. There's a lot of planetarium Uh, planetarium to me. Sounds like a Coldplay album. So that's pretty funny. Uh, That is funny. Yeah. 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 I do wonder if even like, Ursa Major was left over from Planetarium. Oh, that's a good just, point, actually. Just based on the name alone, you know, yeah. like Very I could reasonable. totally see it. Yeah. Although it, that that would be one of the few songs on this album that I think doesn't sound like a, and maybe that's why it didn't make it on there. Right. You know yeah, exactly. I would also say that, um, and I'm already blanking on the name of the album. I own it. I have listened to it once, and I have not returned to it. The album he made with Lowell. Um, uh, uh, Aporia. Is that what it's called? Aporia yeah. or Aphoria or something like that? Um, and there, it's Aphoria, a, I believe, isn't it? There's, no, there's not an H. There's oh, there's not. not? No. Well, shows you what I know. You're right. It's Aporia. Yeah. Um, I, I think it has a lot of that vibe to it. I wonder. So, you know, it's interesting to sort of look back. We've established like every five years, Sufjan releases an album. Right now, at this point, that's his current rate. You know, Illinois was in 2005, Age of Odds was 2010, Carrie and Lowell 2015, The Ascension 2020. I wonder if he's going to be alternating sounds because it, it's gone like folkier, electronic, folkier, electronic, or if just like his life being thrown into upheaval by his mother's death is what signaled the cause that yeah yeah so we won't yeah. know ever really probably um but it's interesting to me well um anything else to say boys no we mm-hmm. we did the thing we did the thing i'm sure everyone's very happy we did the thing um i i would say this i would like everybody to listen to this album again What's up? Yes, to Michigan, <laughs> but also to this album and to uh, allow us to and like tweet at us with what they think of it because I, I I am legitimately curious. Can't, I, I can't wait to hear what Jeremy says. Yeah, Jeremy's <laughs> gonna love it. Um, but I I really can't I really can't um, I haven't read a ton of reviews of this album, and I think that there's this like it's almost a partisan thing now where like. You either you're an age of odds person or you're not. Although I think our opinions on this did not necessarily fall along those lines. No. So, but yeah, I, I want to hear what folks say. Um. But anyway, thank you for listening, everybody. We appreciate this, and um, we'll see you next week with more DC Comics. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>